Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. And this is our podcast, Hippie and a Realist. Real-life conversations about life and happiness. As I sit here by the firelight, surrounded by dark and nothingness, my heart begins to beat faster. This is a rather immature and childish motive. I have my protective power outside, but outside also lies many wonders. I have no track of time, so I pick up the phone and listen to the repetitive voice. I also hear many other sounds. Far away, a generator roars. The cars on the street slowly drive by. I hear the gears shift. Some turn into driveways, and others roam aimlessly. Closer to home, the occasional shuffling of a sawdust bed and crickets sing. What it must feel like to be trapped in that box. Sometimes I think I know the feeling. I sit here alone once again. It doesn't bother me most of the time. Tonight, I sit clinging to the last shred of light. The moon has arrived, but I'm not aware of it. Slowly, my light is flickering out. Not too long, and I'll be trapped. How must the monotonous feeling of imprisonment be? The yearn for freedom. It's also times like these that you wish you could grasp something other than your own mind. I wrote that October 18th, 1995. I was 15 years old. My first journal was in the third grade, and I still have it. It's funny um, what was so important from the perspective of the third grader. And I'd love to read an excerpt from that sometime, too. But I realized that I hadn't really introduced myself um, in this podcast process. So I thought that I would give a little bit of a backstory for those of the listeners who maybe don't know how I kind of came to this idea of podcasting. And to be honest, I'm not even sure how I came to this idea of podcasting. Um, It was Savannah who really pushed me into the concept that we needed to to kind of branch out in other mediums other than like Instagram and things like that. And so the backstory is that I started writing when I was very, very young. Um, journaling was definitely an outlet for me. As you can see, I gravitated towards that. Um, no one told me to do that. I just kind of instinctually did that. And I think it helped me through a lot of things in my life at the time. And it continues to help me through a lot of things in my life. But what I realized was that I did have the ability to speak to others through my words. And um, so I, I started blogging back in 2006 or seven, And um, I, I kind of ran with it for a while, but the thought of it becoming a career wasn't really anything I'd considered because I was mostly in a successful career at the time and was doing well financially. And it just seemed like blogging was kind of like fluff and stuff and not something that would ever, you know, become anything else. But eventually I did get into, um, to, to writing books. And that is kind of where I found my sweet spot separate from others is that I was able to not just write one journal entry or one blog entry, but that I could sit down and write 80,000 words. And so I kind of went that direction. My first published article was when I was 14 and it was on truth and lying and it was published in Sacramento Bee. And I really wish that I knew I always kind of wanted to be in some writing career 
like I, I actually, um, worked in media when I started out. So I wanted to be a journalist. And so I went to college for a journalism communications degree and worked, um, in print media and then eventually migrated to radio and, um, really kind of enjoyed and loved everything that I was doing there, but realized that if I wanted to make decent money, that was in sales and marketing. <laughs> and I love the way the human brain kind of works. So I took that route and, and went heavily into a sales and marketing career. And uh, it satisfied me for a long time, especially because I was still, I, I like to say freelance writing, but I would go on travel adventures and I would blog about them or I would share them with friends and family via email. So I was still kind of getting that piece of of me out and so that worked for a really long time but i always kind of had this sense that there was like this deeper thing within me that i didn't completely understand but um set me apart from other people and when i say set me apart i don't necessarily mean that in a positive way i think it made me a little different and um, maybe even eclectic, but the things that girls my age were really into in high school, I, I wasn't, um, except there were a handful of girls that I still consider get it. And, and I think they're also on like a deeper journey in this, in this earthly being. Um, so for many years, I was just kind of trying to ignore the pull from an energetic source for something bigger or deeper and really just try to fit into kind of social norms and what everybody, you know, found to be acceptable. And whether that was, you know, my 20s going out to the clubs or or whatever, whatever it was, but I was always still searching and I was always still like the weirdo that wanted to go for hikes on Sunday mornings and Friday nights and things like that. Um, at least back then it wasn't cool. It's cool now, thanks to hashtag wanderlust and like a mountain girl and things like that. But um, it wasn't cool back then. <laughs> it was definitely like, ew, outdoors, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so um, I want to share with you, though, <laughs> that you know people see my social media is very much curated and I try to keep it as authentic as possible, but there are definitely, you know, there's just a certain piece of this from like a sales and marketing perspective that after trying the raw, raw, raw photos and things like that, that just doesn't fly. Like, yeah, people want to see the, the true you and the, you know, the hashtag be you, but they want to see it in a way that is acceptable or presentable to them. So it's a struggle for me to find that balance of like, this is real life and this is curated real life. And it's, it's, it's kind of like this constant internal struggle. So, and I've heard that from other people who are using their Instagram in some way for business. So, and ultimately at the end of the day, I I do use my Instagram for that. That is the direction I want to go. Um, back when Teetering on Disaster came out, my memoir, yeah, I had a growing following on Facebook and was sharing a lot. And that is what I attribute the some of the successes of that book to, was that people were connecting with me for me. 
And um, that's why they bought the book. And that's why they wanted to be involved in everything that I kind of was doing at the time. So I definitely struggle with that still. Um, I want this platform to be something that I share, you know, kind of deeply with. But then also I do want to, I do want to kind of separate myself in the way that it is kind of still a business venture for me. So that's, that's been my battle. Um, but I haven't always been a hippie. I, I guess I kind of always have been a hippie, but I haven't always let that part of me come forth because of my fear of how people would perceive me as being eclectic or odd or different or, or whatnot. And, and truthfully, I don't think I even knew the extent in which I felt connected to that part of myself for a long time. So you know, I knew I loved astrology. I, I've always been into astrology and, and geeked out on that stuff. And I always kind of knew from a very, very young age that if I could see something in my mind, I could create it. I could make it happen. And it's pretty powerful um, energetically, the mind, and what a great tool it can be for healing as well. So I knew... I knew from a young age that I have the ability to manifest the things that I want in my life, but I did not know, I would not have worded it that way. I did not know how, how to word it or, or how to present that concept. I just knew that if I was going to go out for cheerleading and I wanted to get on the team, if I visualized myself seeing my name on the, on the made it list, that it would happen. And that's kind of like how I've, I've always just come into things in, in my life. I've, I visualize them, I see them and I make them happen. So my first yoga class, cause you see on my Instagram, I say yoga kinda in my stories because yoga for me is a very personal journey of self-exploration and I'm not ever going to stack up to the people who are handstanding on a boulder with a sunset behind them. That is just not something that uh, I will ever do. It, now, I do post occasional and I've really paired it back. But um, my first, the first yoga picture, I have to tell you the story that I ever posted was actually a Warrior 3, Virabhadrasana 3 pose um, on a log that was teetering over a cliff in Alaska. And um, gosh, I just wish I could go back. Uh, that was 2008 or 2009. So kind of before this explosion of yoga on the internet, and gosh, if I just run with that, you know? But, um, but then people were like, oh, cool picture. Yeah, you're super weird. And now that picture would not even be something to second glance at on the internet. Um, but it was really edgy when I posted it back then in 09. Um, so 09 or 08, but my first yoga class was actually, I, I lived in this, um, condominium. It was like townhome style place. And I met, I met some of my best, best, best friends in life 
in this place in San Diego. It was a new housing development and we all kind of got in on this lottery and got really lucky. I was actually living in the Bay Area at the time and was working in radio, radio or print. I think I was working for Silicon Valley Magazine at the time. Um, But one of my good friends was the wife of someone who was within the family of Shay Holmes. And she actually, I said, I want to move to San Diego. There's this new, you know, I'd been talking about moving to San Diego for some time. And then we were having lunch one day and I just told her, there's this new housing development going in in Mission Mission Bay. And oh my gosh, I would just love to like move down there and and buy a home and, and make that kind of my post up. And she was like, oh, I'll get you in on the family list. And literally two weeks later, I got a phone call saying that, you know, I'd been drawn on the lottery to, to buy this house and bought a house and moved. <laughs> literally went that fast. It was like, uh, August, we had lunch, uh, September, I bought a house, October, I moved to San Diego and, um, yeah, so it was this new home development and there were like 19 of us that moved in on the first one while they were still finishing the build out. And this was really kind of popular back then. This was like bubble, you know, economic housing bubble time. And so we all moved in and it was kind of crazy. We had, um, they, they had this thing called a builder key so they could continue to do work on your home and stuff, even though you like already moved in and stuff. And, um, all of us had been robbed. All of like all 19 people that lived in this community that was going to be a community of like 3,500 people had been robbed. And so I just, this mass violation and I felt that experience once as a kid as well as in my teens. Actually, I think that might've been why I wrote the truth and lying piece for the, for the Sacramento Bee. It might've been from, I actually do think this is a weird connection. I do think it was from when my home got robbed when I was in my teens. Um, so I rallied everybody and I'm like, we're going to fight this and we're going to get our stuff back and da, da, da. And, um, through that kind of tragic situation, we all connected and, and forged these friendships. And we have all since moved except one person still lives in that community. And I still, literally am friends with everybody that was in that original Escala crew. If you're listening, <laughs> shout out. And, um, and it just made some of the best, best friends that I'll ever have in my lifetime. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. But one of my neighbors was this uh, gal who was a little older than me and she was single and she was an anesthesiologist and super cool. Just always like, living with a smile and I was like, wow, she is just so fun. And she, and we would, you know, have wine out on her back patio. She introduced me to Korean short ribs and kimchi, just all these ethnic foods and such a neat, neat lady. And, um, we used to go for hikes, um, up Cowell's mountain with our dog. And she said, you gotta come, you gotta come to yoga with me. And I'm like, yoga, I've heard of that, but I have no idea what it is. It sounds kind of cool, but mm." she's like, no, 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 just come, you know, with me tomorrow morning. 
And this was like a Saturday. (laughs) So that night we all partied. I think we were watching a movie at someone's house, whatever, drinking, having fun. I'm like 25 years old or something. And um, so she knocks on my door at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning and I'm in her car and we're going to yoga and I go in and she like hands me this towel and she's like, okay, if at any time you feel like, you know, it's too much, just lay on your mat. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, My first experience with yoga, I will say yoga was actually years prior when I took a college class called stretch and flex. And I realized like, oh, wow, I am incredibly flexible <laughs> and I aced the class like we had to we had to gain like three inches of flexibility. That was our test. Right. So when I started out, wide leg forward fold was mediocre and then but still impressive for like someone who'd never done stretch and flex. And then by the end of the class, I'm killing it. Like I'm like straight bent over Gumby style nose on the floor. And she's like, wow, you've really done your work. And I'm like, actually, this kind of comes pretty natural. I mean, this is not hard. <laughs> so that was my first like, so when, so when this, this lady is telling me like, oh, yoga, I'm thinking, well, I'm pretty flexible. I did that whole stretch and flex thing in college. Like I got, how hard could it be? So... It's a Bikram yoga class, as it would turn out. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it is essentially a hundred and some odd degrees in this room, and you are doing very advanced yoga poses, very advanced yoga poses. And so I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm dying. Like, I just want to die. I do not want to be here. And she's like, lay down, lay down. Like whispering to me, just lay down. I literally laid on the mat in what I now know is child's pose. (laughs) At the time it was death, when is this over pose? Um, And could barely just breathe. So, So my takeaway was don't drink before yoga. And if this is yoga, this blows. But after we were all done and my face is like bright red and I'm like, what the hell is this? I looked down at my skin and it's like milkish colored sweat. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, is this toxins? Like, what is this? This is terrible. And we still laugh about it because we came home and we were all kind of once again, hanging out at each other's house. I think we we're probably watching football or something because chargers were really shitty then, but we lived next to the stadium. So we were all supporting them, diehard Charger fans. And so I was laying on my friend's couch and she like literally poured open a bottle of pills and stuffed a beer in my armpit and took a picture of it with my face all red and I was passed out. (laughs) So they still have that picture. It will probably come back to bite me if it pops up on the internet. That was post Bikram yoga. There were no pills or beer involved. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so, so introduction to yoga, that sucked. And I was like, never, ever again will I do that. We still joke about it. But a year later, I was going through a really tough time and I had something kind of incredible happen. It through this random series of events, I... (laughs) 
it's really kind of funny. And I'll, I'll bring up his name because I will have him on this podcast. But, um, so I was going to go to a concert. This is still when I'm trying to like fit in and da da da. I'm going to go to this country concert to see Kenny Chesney who fine, whatever. I don't even really care about Kenny Chesney to be honest. Like of all the country singers I would want to go see live. I love you, Kenny, but he would not be on the top 10 or even three or five or any of that for that matter. So I went to this concert, all country bumpkined out, which is hysterical because I dressed like a San Diego country girl when like my roots, I'm a country girl. (laughs) Like I can hands down say I would never wear the crop top that I wore the like you know, strapless crop top, jean crop top, or the jean jeans that I wore, or the boots, or any of it that I wore to that concert that night, ever. <laughs> like, so yeah, trying to fit in, trying to, you know, not be me. And I, <laughs> I wore this, this outfit, we went to this Kenny Chesney concert, but the opening band was really freaking awesome. And I dug their music and I honestly wanted to see the whole concert of theirs and not just two or three songs. I think they perform one or two songs actually. And so the band, um, was, was Rob Corona's band. And, um, and I reached out to him on Facebook after the concert was like, Hey, saw you at Kenny totally dug your music, you know, just kind of reaching out. I'm like, um, I do a lot of marketing. I used to have a band, would love to help you guys out, like get seen. I know some of the concert promoters in town. P.S. The uh, used to have a band thing. I play bass guitar, used to have an all girl rock band. I'll save that for another podcast, but we had our 15 minutes of fame and opened for Smash Mouth. And it was like one of the best days ever. Um, the time that I spent as a sky girl was so fun and just such a cool life experience. Um, anyway, reach out to Rob. Rob surprisingly messages me back on Facebook. So connect with Rob and start kind of hanging out with him. And he was just starting to date this gal, Eilina, who I also absolutely adore. And I will put both of their links in this podcast, even though I will be having them on the podcast in June because I will be going to Nashville to spend some time with them and another friend out there. So, um, but they're incredible. And so he introduced me to this other gal and her name is Lorraine. And when I met Lorraine, my world changed. She was the single person that I needed to meet in my life. Um, She held my hand and tucked me under her angel spirit wings and showed me really how to be myself and how to trust in the process. And, um, you know, she said things like the universe always lines up and she glows with this energy that is spectacular. So I met Lorraine and it's funny because I was literally just telling my husband today at lunch, I said, I think sometimes we meet people just so someone else can meet someone, which sounds really goofy and weird, but I met someone like nine years ago when I was interning as a therapist 
nothing ever came of that meeting. I was offered a job, but declined the job because I, it was too far and I had a young son and, or was about to have a son, I guess. Yeah. I didn't even have Tucker yet. So it was eight years ago and, um, nothing ever came of that relationship, but my sister-in-law all of a sudden needs is looking for, you know, to move her practice to Eldorado Hills. And I'm like, oh, you should reach out to this person I haven't talked to in nine years and spoke to one time, you know, kind of a thing. But she did. And it's all lining up, like it's all working out for her. And I really feel like I only met one person to meet this other person to meet that person so that she could meet that person. Goofy. I know. I'm so weird. But, um, I am okay with putting that out there now. Before, I would have kept that to myself because people would think of me as weird. And now I'm like, haha, I'm weird. <laughs> Take it or leave it. But um, yeah, so I met Lorraine through Rob, which was this weird thing that I was at this concert that I shouldn't have even been at with this person I don't even talk to anymore. <laughs> but ta-da, met Lorraine. And she introduced me to my first vision board, which I made back in 2008. My first vision board was in 2008. I met her in 2007, uh, 2007 or 2008. I'm, I'm getting old. I'm mixing all these days up, but, um, I still do a vision board every year. And she was the first person who helped me realize what I already knew, which was that I can manifest my reality. And sometimes it doesn't manifest exactly how I want it to, but it manifests how I need it to at the time. And so there's this trust in the idea that everything is unfolding exactly as it should be in divine time. And um, so she says, I own a yoga studio. And I'm like, Mm, yeah, <laughs> no. She's like, you have to come to yoga. And I'm like, thumbs down, not gonna happen. <laughs> like, uh-uh. She goes, no, come to a class. She goes, um, I promise you it won't won't be too warm because she does have a heated studio. And I, I guys, I, I, can I just tell you, I was so afraid. I'm like, I like this girl and I'm afraid. And I say girl, but she's a woman, a beautiful feminine energy. And I was like, I am afraid she's like going to, you know, really just be like, oh, <laughs> when I can't do any of this. And literally the sound of her voice when she said, inhale, <laughs> I can't even say it like she says, it. inhale exhale. <laughs> However she says it, I was like, oh, I am so supposed to be here right now. And that was my first understanding into what yoga could be. And I have not stopped doing yoga since that day. So for those of you who see me headstanding in a yoga pose or, you know, doing a warrior three on a granite rock in the middle of a lake, it's like been a really long journey for me. And it's very much a part of my life. And it's not just a picture for the gram. <laughs> I said gram. And for those of you who have thought about coming to a yoga class um, or going to a yoga class, I totally recommend finding a studio that aligns with you. Um, when I moved back up here, it took me a while to find a studio that I really liked and it closed down. 
and that sucked. But then I found another studio and I've not been going there near as much as I should. But for those of you who are local, um, you know this name. I love Yoga Reclaimed. I love Jamie. I absolutely adore what she did for me at a time when I really needed her. And one of the most special things is the lack of judgment that you feel in this space when you find the right space. And I'm not saying that all yoga studios are you know, void of judgment. But um, I found one that is, I found people who are. And when I go to Yoga Reclaimed, which is not near enough, because I do have a very strong home practice. I live about 30 minutes from Yoga Reclaimed. Um, I still feel like I'm family there and it feels like no time has passed. And I stumbled on that studio by complete accident. That's another funny yoga story. I was actually going, um, I was doing the 30 day yoga girl challenge of doing yoga every day for 30 days. And I was very serious about it because I really wanted to find a new yoga studio and just knew I needed to really insert it back into my life every day. And so it was Wednesday and I was at 9am and I was supposed to be going to a sound healing or a sound bath which is like where you lay on a yoga mat and they do singing bowls, which are like these crystal bowls that they, you know, kind of, (laughs) and drums and just, you know, these really beautiful chakra stimulating like music. And I was supposed to be doing that, but I got there and they were on vacation. And I'm like, no, I'm supposed to do yoga every day. And this is the hour that I have assigned for this. So I literally just drove down the highway until I saw a sign that said yoga and pulled in and I'm like, when's your next class? And she's like, right now. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll take it. (laughs) Then as I'm going in, right, she hands me it. She's all, you're going to need this. This is Jamie at the time. Who, Jamie, if you are listening, I love you. And (laughs) I would just love to have you and Ryan on the show sometime because you guys are so freaking cool and hysterical. And so she hands me this towel. She's like, you might need this. And I'm like, oh shit. You know, literally I'm like, people are going to be handstanding. I've been so out of touch with my practice lately. Oh my God, what have I got myself into? I'm not even wearing a sports bra because I'm supposed to be like laying on a mat, sleeping, you know, in this yoga nidra. So anyway, uh, Yeah, I went and it was amazing and it was exactly what I needed. And Ryan teaches yoga in the most hysterical freaking way ever. I mean, it's so fun, but but he's a true yogic spirit. And so he can get away with the real life, like calling people out and all of he because he just gets it. So it was awesome. I immediately was in love with this place. I was like, there are no accidents. I was absolutely supposed to be here today. This is exactly what was supposed to happen. And you'll hear me say that a lot if you listen to my podcast enough. Like, I really believe things happen just when they're supposed to, as they're supposed to, especially if you are not fighting them. I think so often we fight 
with like what our true intention is or what we know or our intuition or our gut. And I really want to talk about intuition and listening to it. And I'm super excited because I'm going to have a very special guest next week and she's going to be talking about that. And, um, oh, I just love her. And I will save that for next week. So I'm super excited. Um, but listening to that, not trying to fight it, you know, and just kind of rolling with it. And I think things work out how they're supposed to when you do that. Um, Okay, so all of that to tell you a little bit of backstory on kind of how I got to be where I am, which is a little weird and different and goofy and um, and that it wasn't until I started really embracing this part of me and aligning with like what is my inner truth that I'm able to express in the right way. And I have so struggled, you guys, if you are my early followers or fans, I'll call them even who were back on Facebook when teetering was coming out and how I just disappeared off the face of the earth for like five years, literally shut down my social media, had nothing other than a LinkedIn, which I never went on for like five years. It's because I couldn't, I couldn't align. I just couldn't figure it out. I, I couldn't do it. I published a fiction book in 2013 and had some super kind of rough things happen following that book. And I just don't, I haven't felt compelled in the right way. And it's because I had so much work to do. And so what I do want to bring to you is that, um, you know, you, you may hear what I say and may take something and go, yeah. And there's other things that you may go, no, I don't agree with that. Or she is so out there. Um, but if this is aligning with you, I, I want you to know that it's because I've, I feel like I've done a lot of work to be in this space, to be able to talk to you. And I feel like I could never have done this podcast you know, back in 2007, well, probably because podcast didn't exist, but you know what I'm saying? Like my voice wasn't ready yet. I still had so much work to do and I have done so, so much work spiritually, emotionally. I still have a lot more to go. It's, it's a life journey for me, but I've learned how to listen to my intuition and let things kind of guide me in the right way and let go of negative self-talk and just kind of trust and it has not come terribly easy. And I spoke to this in episode four that, you know, sometimes my friends and family don't agree with what I'm doing or they don't, they're like, okay, we don't get it, but whatever, you be you, hashtag, you know, kind of snarky. And I'm like, okay, great, thanks. <laughs> but really inside, I'm like, it, you know, it's the seed for self-doubt. So that has been a lot of work. But if you're here, I think it's because you're curious. And I think it's because maybe you're in the place that I was in, or maybe you're not, maybe you're like way past that and you're just nailing it and you get this and you just want to hear more of it. And I thank you for being here and thank you for supporting me on this journey that I don't even know what the end game is. Literally, I have no idea. There's not a plan. Like every time I've written a book, I'm like, Okay, let's make it a bestseller. <laughs> okay, maybe this will become a movie. You know, this time I'm like, 
I don't know. I just think I'm supposed to be talking into this microphone in this room by myself and <laughs> gonna let the words flow. Super weird. Um, so I appreciate your support. I appreciate your feedback. And um, I just feel like that this is very much a manifestation of my subconscious, some deeper level. I don't really know. But I appreciate you for being here. And I wanted to give you a little bit of backstory, the the real story on how I kind of got into yoga. And um, I'm going to leave my spiritual beliefs off of this podcast for the time being. Although I think um, if you're in this energetic level that I'm in, you get it. And, um, and I appreciate you for being here too. I do think we align with people spiritually who are kind of in that space when we're ready. And I think that's what Jackie was. And I didn't say her name earlier, but uh, my first introduction to yoga girl. And I think that's what Lorraine was and is, um, along with so many other really incredible people that I have met that have helped me kind of understand and believe and trust that uh, it's it's okay to geek out on the universe and um let it steer you and let it guide you and listen, 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 listen. And so I've really gotten good at that, at silencing so I can hear. And I did put out a newsletter last week. So um, my newsletter is mostly for things that I'm seeing as running themes in counseling, actually. So um, it's my newsletter is comprised of a lot of different people, but a lot of my clients get my newsletter. And um, it's, you know, if there's a running theme energetically that I'm seeing or hearing in counseling for that for that week or that couple weeks, then I'll put out a newsletter. I put them out about once a month and just kind of, it's just kind of some prompts for therapy tools type stuff. And it's always based upon something or an experience. And then I usually shout out to the podcast or shout out to a book or that I published or whatever, you know, little self promo. But um, I really enjoy that resource because I still feel like the written word is very important to me. And so if you're interested in that, I will put the link to my website in this podcast. And um, I'm also going to use the links in this podcast to um, connect you to what is yoga. Um, for those of you that might be afraid, because I just really think even if you're there just to stretch, it can be such a beautiful tool. And I would love to see, uh, the community as a whole get stronger from using this resource. Okay. 37 minutes. Crack myself up talking to no one for this amount of time. I'm not talking to no one. I'm talking to you. So thank you for being here. This has been a BU Find Happy Podcast. This has been a BU Find Happy Podcast. For more inspiration, check out our links. Bye-bye.